Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 247th episode of MTG Fast Finance, the podcast that is looking forward to a brighter, more productive, and more caring 2021 with all of you beautiful people out there. But for the meantime, please wear a mask and be kind to one another. MTG Fast Finance is your weekly podcast covering the world of Magic the Gathering finance, collection management, and speculation. I'm your host, James Chilcott, aka at MTG Critic on Twitter. My co-host, as always, is Travis Allen, at Wizard Bumpin on Twitter, and we're here to help you folks make and save money playing our favorite game, Magic the Gathering. Good evening, James. Good evening, everybody. Glad to be here and looking forward to sharing all sorts of valuable information with all of you. Our show is produced by mtgprice.com, the leading MTG finance community. Sign up today at mtgprice.com to track your specs, chat on Discord, and read articles by some of the best financial minds in the hobby. MTG Fast Finance is proudly sponsored by Cool Stuff Inc., where you can find all sorts of cool nerdy stuff in stock, including all the best in Magic the Gathering singles, sealed product, and a plethora of other collectibles. Use the promo code FINANCE5, that's the number 5, during checkout at CoolStuffInc.com to save 5% off your order and support this podcast. Should also point out that Cool Stuff has Black Friday sales all week this week. By the time you guys get to them, it'll be Friday, Friday or Saturday. So keep an eye out. I know they had uh, some pretty cheap Double Masters booster boxes, and I think membership rewards were stacking, so you get the 5% off those as well. Oh, I should really go take a look at that. Thank you for letting me know. What's on the agenda this week, my friend? Uh, this week is a show in, I don't know, four parts, some number of parts. Let's count them as we go. Segment one, the MPGO Metagame Weekend Review, we will talk about... What's done well on Magic Online? Uh, segment two are top paper movers, cards that have moved the most in price in the paper world. And following that is the top MTGO movers, a couple cards that have seen some price movement on in modern. Uh, segment three are paper cards to watch, some stuff James and I have our eye on for the future. Uh, segment four, we don't have a collector's corner this week. We don't want to fill it with random nonsense so it's not necessarily going to be a weekly segment um so the actual segment four is going to be commander legends price motion and specifically a discussion of the some math on the volume of print uh, run and print the current run. market dynamics and what is likely that, to happen from here that uh print run dynamic is very fascinating uh so we will get to that for sure but let's go ahead so just want to uh, do advertise for Collector's Corner next oh, week, right. because Sorry. next week yep. we have a special first special guest in the segment. We're going to have Josh Krause on from Original Magic Art to come talk to us about his business and all of the cool products that they have worked on, are working on, will be working on, and how you uh, get a little sense of what it's like to work on the art side of Magic Finance. Cool. That'll be interesting to hear about, because that is... A a fascinating uh, but rather uh, oblique oblique obtuse world that I think a lot of people are curious about but don't have a lot of obscured into. I think obtuse I think works there. Pretty sure obtuse works. In any case, um, top the pioneer challenge over here. I see oops all spells taking first and third. So still still doing well there. Uh, not a, definitely not a flavor of the week at this point because this is now what probably over a month that we've been seeing those since Zendikar came out. I mean, uh, forms of this list exist in modern. <laughs> and the thing about Pioneer is 
you know, that is coming true over time is what I said early on about how I doubted whether the two formats could coexist for a long period of time because they would converge. And the more the power creep level rises, the more true that that will be. And indeed, we are, on any given week, you could show me a top eight with the names of the decks. And with at least a few of them, I'm going to have to think a little bit before I can identify which format we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Because you see things like Oops All Spells and Four Color Omnath show up in both top eights. You can see burn variants show up with slightly different uh, lists of spells. And Five Color Div Mizzet exists in both formats. There are differences, clearly, based on the card pools. But again, this, this these formats are going to get closer and closer. And that's going to get awkward. Yeah, it's... Uh... their goal is to have something like modern horizons fix it right but at the same time you're gonna have stuff like it's gonna be the combo decks that probably really unbalance it um like oops all spells it just is like oh yeah maybe there's red and six and blah 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 and modern but i don't care because i'm playing a super specific deck that just does what it does and maybe it gets a few more tools in modern omnath of course showing up in both um, so you have, I guess, I would think of the decks as the, the crossover decks as either being uh, just extremely powerful cards like Oros, Okos, and Omnaths, and your like super linear combo decks like the Oops All Spells. Um, and I, I, they're going to try and use Modern Horizons to keep those format identities separated. But, but as we've seen so far, even with one Modern Horizons under their belt, it's only been semi-successful. And that process will be much more successful in a world where they are consistently adding legacy level cards to modern to push the power level up while dialing back the power level in standard sets so that the gap widens. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the best of the most powerful cards in modern are not a, at all available in Pioneer. That's how you would have two distinct formats. It's still not clear to me that there's any, you know, part of my point last fall was. It's not even like that needs to be a goal. You you could literally choose one or two of these, one or the other of these formats, devote a bunch of resources to it, and magic would be perfectly healthy. I don't think there's any reason to believe that you need both at all. I think you can start phasing out modern the way you phased out legacy. You could invest in pioneer and make sure it was good. None of those things seem to be happening in the short to midterm, especially with COVID being the biggest concern just in terms of keeping the brand running, keeping the community invested, uh, et cetera. But worth worth noting that they're you know the gap between these formats is narrowing over time. So we have Oops All Spells first and third, Four Color Omnath in second in that Pioneer. We've got Boros Burn, Black Aggro. That's the you know staples that have been around for months. Five Color Visit in sixth, another Four Color Omnath in seventh, and Boros Burn in eighth. Um, I think the most notable thing there from a spec perspective is just that the persistence of Oops All Spells and the huge amount of dfc lands um that that deck runs means the specs related to that are very likely to succeed in tandem with the other broader demand profiles for those cards you know turn timber symbiosis i guarantee you that card's gonna get there it just needs a little bit of time and yeah there's no in the current product development model and the products we know about for 2021 there's nothing that suggests that has any chance of a relevant reprint that's not just a regular version of the card no i you don't i i mean the card has has barely been out for any length of time um there's just not really anywhere to place it i mean at the earliest fall of next year but that still gives you a pretty long 
time frame before you even have to think about it. And like you said, you don't, it probably isn't going to be in a format that you care about that competes with these extended art foils. Well, and say, yeah, and say, I mean, it'd be something like a secret layer, maybe if it was so, so popular and was drained out really hard in all forms. But the, you know, the reality is that we got fabled passage twice in one year as a rare, but other than that, I can't think of any notable mythics that caught a reprint that soon. So yeah. And fabled fabled passage was not like the identity of a set, you know, like in the way that these cards, these dual land cards were. The 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 closest thing we've got is stuff like Renin six showing up in the list a year later, Mm -hmm. but we saw how little that matters. I mean, we haven't talked about it at all because it hasn't mattered. (laughs) Yeah. And people were plenty scared about the list when they first heard about it. Yeah, but, we weren't we weren't sure, but it has been. And we talked about if you go back to our the earlier cast, I think you can hear us talk about like, oh well, it might the reprint might show up on the list, and you got to be worried about that. And then we get like a couple weeks in, you know, a month or two into it, and we're like, never mind. This is what what does matter. Reprint what does matter though is how often the list changes, because if in Cal time, for instance, you get Red and Six again, a trickle, but still a trickle, a persistent trickle, and that goes on for a long time, say two years, and it never leaves the list then the market will probably have most of the copies it needs. Well, sure. But I think that that's a different story than that. that, Yes, that is correct. uh, But that still is a little different than what we've been talking about or what we were concerned about before was that you were suddenly going to see, you know, a 10%, Big big price drops during a period of time where people expected those cards to be able to be in prime position to mature. Yep. yep, yep, yep. All right. So let's move on to the spice of the week. For sure. This <laughs> this deck is spicy, spicy. Modern Champs, uh, it was a Modern Challenge. I have it down as the Modern Champs qualifier, but it wasn't. It was the Modern Champs, uh, Modern Challenge on November 23rd. And the winning deck of Modern Challenge was Mono White Equipment Combo. Four Memnite, four Ornithopter. Obviously, we're playing Modern. Four Pure Steel Paladin, four Stoneforge Mystic, and Amiria's Call, four Steel Shaper's Gift, and four Sigarda's Aid to be able to go search up equipments and equip, equip them for free once they come into play. Two Path to Exile, and then four Colossus Hammer, and this is the equipment that matters most, because when you can equip it for free, it gives plus 10, plus 10, but the creature loses flying. Two Cranial Plating, one Flare Husk, four Mistress Bobble, three Paradise Mantle, and a Shadow Spear. And then in the lands, you've got a Castle Ardenvale. So if you get to the late game and they've swept you a couple times, you need to keep making creatures to put the equipment on. You still can. And then four Ink Moth Nexus so that sometimes you can just hit them for 10 infect damage out of nowhere. Uh, this is fascinating because at first glance, you're going, oh, Pure Soul Paladin, Stoneforge Mystic, this is the, the Cheerios deck, right? But it's not. There's no combo finish here in the way that we've seen in past versions, the quote unquote combo is just nailing somebody for 20 or 18, whatever with a big beefy boy. Um, the closest you get is the ink moth nexus. Uh, but even still, you know, I, I hesitate to call that a combo finish. So interesting that this has that much weight in modern. Uh, I, I'm, I, you figure a lot of this deck success. is probably based on the X factor. Like people just, weren't prepared for this type of thing so you know you get a a weird deck that's probably like one point tier two wish that people aren't prepared for and you run hot like you can win but still interesting to see at the top tables like this not only at the top tables but winning 
I'd be. This is the kind of deck where when you, it hits once in a big tournament, you go, okay. Polite golf claps, moving right along. But if it, you show up second or third time, then you start to get serious about it. Hardened Scales was received in much the same way and then went on to have a pretty good run for a while. Yeah. So, and there's also another element here that we didn't talk about. This is also a Lurus deck, Lurus of the Dream Den, oh. over there in the sideboard. Um, you can bring that up for three mana, get your hand, and then bring some of these uh, permanents back into play and help you keep rolling. So uh, it's got some resiliency hiding out there uh, on the companion side as well. Yeah, it seems like between Castle Ardenvale and Lurus, they've kind of got a lot more um ability to get to the late game than they have had in past iterations uh really the problem is less about being able to get to the end game and more about uh just managing to kill them before your opponent finally puts together a real game plan part of the night one of the nice things if you're looking at this from a speculative perspective if this deck was to continue on in modern and start showing up showing up regularly Stoneforge, Sigardizade, Ink Moth, Nexus, and Colossus Hammer, at least the foils for Colossus Hammer, are all, have already all been specs at some point or another. Um, we just got a really, really nice version of Stoneforge Mystic in the VIP packs. Sigardizade and Ink Moth Nexus. Ink Moth Nexus has the Tattoo Butterfly version that came out in the Secret Layer. Um, so there's some spicy stuff here that sees play in other formats, shows up in EDH, cubes, etc. And... Uh, could be worth keeping an eye on. Second place in the Modern Challenge was Four Color Omnath. So you see that second in both Pioneer and Modern. There's that narrowing gap I was talking about. Now this third place deck is an, another spicy one. We, we've been talking for a little while now about how Skyclave Apparition has kind of reinvigorated white decks. And and we're showing the, seeing them in a greater quantity than we were before. And we seem to have seen a pivot away from humans-based uh, aggro control styles to more death and taxes styles and here we have a blue white iteration of this this is three to fairy time traveler two charming prince four flicker wisp four giver of runes four glass pool mimic four leon and arbiter four skyclave apparition three spell queller four stoneforge mystic four thalia garden of thraben and probably the spiciest thing in this list four watcher for tomorrow a largely forgotten card from modern horizons it's a two one for one and a blue and it has hideaway. So when you this creature enters the battlefield, it enters tapped. When it does, you look at the top four cards of your library, exile one face down, then put the rest on the bottom. And then when it leaves play, you get to put that card in your hand. So it's just a 2-1 that draws you the best of four cards. It basically casts uh, Impulse. Yeah, Impulse. Yeah, that's. I remember this card and wondering if it would be good enough. Um, as an uncommon, it didn't set off too many bells uh but it but a nifty a nifty inclusion the, the you know i'm noticing a the return of thalia which we haven't seen a lot lately um and i would love for those wpm promos to get some traction and uh or our ptq promos and the thing with that so, is there's also the secret layers to consider yeah well i i yeah if, if you like those uh rptqs it's because you think the art is going to get people I think it's the coolest art that they have, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, a good chunk of Stoneforges here. I'm counting 12 Stoneforges in the top eight, which is uh, a deviation as well. Because I remember when this got unbanned, everyone thought it was going to be, wondered if it would be a big deal. It kind of landed with a wet thud. There wasn't too much Stoneforge going around, a little bit. Uh, but a good weekend for Stoneforge Mystic for sure. 
And I it's was pretty... just looking at these foil extended arts out of Double Masters, and they're not quite where I want them to be yet, but it's something to keep in mind. It's interesting what they extended to blue for. They get three Teferi Time Raveler, the Watcher for Tomorrow's, which is not the kind of card you would think people would be like, oh yeah, I'm going to add a color to my deck to get that. And four Glass Pool Mimic out of Zendikar Rising, which lets you for three mana copy uh, one of the creatures you already control. And so you basically get to pick whatever thing on the table you've got that's causing your opponent the most trouble and put another copy of it in play. Um, and I think that's probably especially interesting because they have the Skyclave Apparition. So if they're going to town with those, then the Glasspool Mimic you know, gets to lock down some other thing of your opponent's and keep rolling. And keep in mind that it Skyclave Apparition is four or less. So that lets you grab all sorts of nasty things in Modern. Um, now, didn't finish the list. Artifacts, four Ether Vial, one Batter Skull, one Maul of the Skyclaves, and one Sword of Fire and Ice, and then Alluris, and also the Lurus in the main, but 28 lands, which means we have 80 cards, which means we've got Yorion in the sideboard and another Lurus. Yeah, I, I noticed that, and I was, I'm like, wait a minute, this seems like a fair number. Of, I saw the Lurus, and then I stopped and notice the says 80 cards i'm like wait this is a yorion deck that has just one main deck luris like interesting because if you think about traditional death and taxes decks they have relied on a critical mass of uh essentially taxes cards that slow your opponent down so you would think going to an 80 card deck you would be in a situation where you wouldn't be able to get enough density of those into play to really get your job done you know the first dolly is probably not enough uh, but this guy is like eh, it's fine we'll find a way and he had good success with it i'm also amazed to see maul the skyclaves in here honestly two two flying like that's that's the artifact you're going with i mean i i presu- presumably that's always the third artifact you get for the most part like batter skull is almost always going to be first um well, it depends what turn, because Maul comes down and auto-equips. So for three, you start you swing right away with something. And in a deck that's got Giver of Runes and other ways to protect your creatures, uh, you know, Spell Quellers and so forth, sometimes they just can't do anything about what's going on. Yeah, I mean... And you yeah. got Teferi, and you got one of the reasons you went into Blue was so you have Teferi, so they can't interrupt that going on. So the it's not like they can kill the creature in response on your turn, because they can only operate at sorcery speed if you cast a fairy before well the teferi doing that is interesting and his impact on these types of decks uh is worth keeping in mind because he lets players be a little more freewheeling on their turn than they have been in the past and it almost makes you wonder if there's a auras version of this deck that plays or a teferi auras build um, because you get to use teferi to protect the combo on your turn uh, or not, like not necessarily the combo, but like oh, I can play enchantments without getting two for one every time uh, because of Teferi. So curious to see if, if that deck exists. But in any case, um, yeah, I don't know. I still think Ball of Skyclaves is an odd include. Apparently, it's correct, right? Like I'm not saying it's not. I, I, these people, know more I, I feel I, you. I'm completely. just surprised. You didn't. There's not, none of us looked at this in the set list and went, oh yeah, that'll be in modern. I yeah, like <laughs> frankly, it was like. Like, okay, this is a good pick in draft. Yeah, fourth, like, yeah this, is, this is a good fourth <laughs> pick in draft. 
I mean, yeah, I, I, I'll give it first pick draft, but I just like a, any extended format surprises me, but that's eh, fine. So anyway, we don't have oops all spells in fourth, but Char Belcher did, which is largely the same thing from a speculation perspective because it's a, a huge pile of DFC lands regardless. Yeah. And uh, fifth is a weird looking Grixis Death Shadow that doesn't run any Scourge of the Skyclave. It's four Death Shadow, four Gurmag Angler. Haven't seen that in a little while. Two Sprite Dragon, four Street Wraith. Two Inquisition of Kozilek, two Serum Visions, four Thoughtseize, Apostle's Blessing, Dismember, Fatal Push, Stubborn Denial, Teamer Battle Rage, Thought Scour, and Mish's Bobble. So this is hearkening back to earlier Grixis Death Shadow builds. But they've slid those two sprite dragons in there, which is throwing me for a little bit of a loop. <laughs> yeah, not uh, not something you're used to seeing here. Boy, that ex- full art show from the borderless version of this is uh, ugly. Yeah, very startling. ugly. Startling. <laughs> it's so ugly. One of the worst of the Ikoria showcase cards for sure. Where? Um, where is this from? It's the Godzilla card. Oh, is that? Dragon. That is what that is. Because I'm yeah. like, they didn't use that treatment yet on anything else. But I don't recognize Dorai, the perfect pet from Godzilla. Yeah. They had a few of the, the Godzilla cards that were very goofy from that era of Godzilla reference. And yeah, it's not my cup of tea. Was that some like early 90s Godzilla cartoon or something? More like, seven, like 70s Godzilla Super wow. wacky, like the guys in suits hitting each other and knocking over paper mache buildings. Okay. Uh, so yeah, prime time, uh, Amulet Titan in six. That's been a constant presence. And I actually turned down an offer this week on four foil Japanese Dryad of the Elysian Grove at, I think the offer was 220. And I got in on them at 120 three months ago. And I turned it down. Three months ago, geez. Because pretty sure I'm going to be able to get 60 to 70 each on those. The the card is just incredible in EDH and Modern. And this deck isn't going anywhere. Yeah, I remember one of us picked it. I don't remember who, but we've definitely talked about it before. Um, Because that card is is bonkers good. And it's obviously going to be very popular in EDH. And any competitive chops is just putting it over the top. And we just keep seeing Amulet show up week after week yep seventh is the more normalized current shell for death shadow bomat couriers death shadow croxa monastery swift spear scourge of the sky claves and a pile of black red spells and then in eighth you have a mardu uh list that at first i assumed was a death shadow but it's not it's two bone crusher giant two croxa four season pyromancer four stoneforge mystic Three Inquisition, two Lingering Souls, a Smiting Helix, four Thought Seas, four Fatal, Fatal Push, two Kooligan's Command, four Lightning Bolt, one Terminate, a Batterskull, Embercleave, Shadow Spear, and Sword of Feast and Famine. So more of a mid-rangey Stoneforge Mystic deck. Okay. Uh, Feast and Famine. Okay. That hasn't always been the, the direction these decks have been taking, I guess, but... Uh... Specifically, I guess uh, notably not War or uh, War and Peace or Body and Mind. Still never see those. They never got their day in the sun. Nope. Uh, all right, so formats look strong. 
nothing too broken going on. This is kind of a golden era. We're all missing out on it. We've talked about it before. Yeah. Um, top paper movers of the week. Dose yeah. in the Falling Leaf was one of your calls on episode 245, showing some signs of life. 7 to $9. Not a huge deal, but 28% gains. And uh, probably on the back of exactly what you called it out for, Yurok being one of the three most popular commanders on EDH Rec from Commander Legends in a set full of them. Uh, so we have seen some movement on some of that stuff. Uh, City of Brass. I, I sorry, don't even ahead. need to. Cl- I don't even need to claim credit for that being a good pick. The thirty percent is just uh, the people in the Discord buying a copy or two. <laughs> doesn't have super deep inventory reserves, given Champions of Kamigawa was some time ago. Yeah. City of Brass JSS version three hundred to four hundred. That's probably just uh, a little bit of. Uh, noise on the tcg pricing scene um because there are so few copies of this card around but it doesn't mean you can't get 400 for it it just means it's probably a negotiable point on any given day cloak and dagger foil version uh, at a morning tide 13 to 20 that's a rogue based equipment where if you have a rogue in play i think you get to uh, equip it automatically and it gets shroud just real handy with some of the rogue based decks that are good in commander that people have been building lately and all the rogues we've been getting uh, this fall, leading into a year full of Dungeons and Dragons themed uh, character classes. Shadowborn Apostle foils out of M14, going from 14 to 24. That's just a predictable spec marching up the ramp. This is a common foil from the era before foils were blown out. Uh, and original foil Shadowborn Apostles, not going to get any easier to find. Though I think one of the problems there is when you're trying to buy 20 of something at a time. <laughs> If there aren't 20 in the market, you're probably going to go with the non-foil version. Yeah, I don't... Like, so there who, is a ceiling on this kind of spec. Yeah, who out this, there is going to buy these, right? Like, that just seems so hard to, the thing, to commit to. The thing is, you only need, like, 20 crazies that want to build a foil Shadowborn Apostle deck to clear it out. Yeah. Because <laughs> they buy so many copies. Yeah, that's true. Like, you, you're right. You don't need many people to do it. Just one or, you know, a couple. I actually believe that the actively buying magic market is much, much, much smaller than the total number of people that Wizards likes to claim play magic. Like, it might be in the tens of thousands or low hundred, hundreds of thousands. But the people are buying a lot and building a lot. And the brand has lucked out into this format called Commander that encourages people to build new decks all the time. So... There are, there are some headwinds that are helping these kinds of things. Yeah. Um, boy, another one. Another uh, tick in my column this week. Good week for me, apparently. Overabundance out of invasions and on foils 5 to 11. Um, I just talked about these, what, two weeks ago. Yeah, you uh, said because, 5 to 15 in six months. Yeah, because of... Uh, all right, so I have uh, five and a half months to gain $4. Um, these were because of Yarok, Yarok. Uh, but apparently Jason also talked about on Brainstorm Brewery, which I'm sure was probably a significant component of this as well. Actually, it's not Yarok; it's Yurlock. Yurlock. <laughs> my my mistake. Yurlock of Scorch Thrash. I was pretty sure I was close to that when I said it. Yeah. Uh, I wonder if Jason knew that I had talked about it. I can't imagine. I doubt it. He did. Yeah. No, I'm sure he didn't pay attention. The but yeah, he called it last week as well. Uh Dachon Blackblade out of Legends. This is not a reserve list card. 
but uh, that's not going to stop it from taking off, the original version from taking off alongside all the other stuff from that era. 40 to 130, which probably just means that there was six or seven copies and somebody took a swipe. Yeah. Uh, Ella Domery's Vineyard out of Tempest. I thought this was one of your picks, but I went back and checked and it was not, but it falls into that same category. Um, 4 to 22, also your lock related, because it forces people to get two extra mana at the start of their first main phase every turn. Uh, and one of the card, two, the top two cards in this list, I both bought co- copies, both English and Japanese, in Japan this week for dirt cheap. I think I got these for 350 or something in Japan. Uh, and then the final card on the list, Cedrus the Traitor King, out of a, a Lara block. Non-foils 4 to 23, 475% gains. I picked up 11 copies in Japan after I noticed this for 50 cents a piece. <laughs> and you might say, but James, Cedrus the Trader King is not a staple in EDH. How are you going to sell Japanese copies? I'll tell you how. Because they're in theory $20, and I bought them for 50 cents. And there's no way that the, <laughs> the price gap is going to be 40 times. All right, here's a different way. But James, you bought them in Japan, and you can't ship mail from Japan to the U.S. right now. And oh wait, can you get it? Can of you course, get it in Canada. Of course. Oh, that's uh, if I'd known that. Oh, <laughs> I should just have my package in Canada or you Japan ship to you. You could. Uh, but then I still have to get it back to me. Oh, what a pain in the ass. Yeah, but that's easy. That's that's a like a, a ten dollar thing. Uh, yeah, I guess if I if I really get a lot over there, maybe I'll do that. Mm-hmm. So anyway, the, the deal with Cedrus is that he gives your creatures unearth. And it's a combo with Obeka, because Obeka lets you end the turn. Now, if you try to give them unearth and mess with them in your in the middle of the turn and then end the turn, the uh end of turn trigger for unearth will then exile them. But if you wait for that trigger to go on the stack at the end of your turn, then use Obeka you'll clear the stack. Uh. And that basically means creatures pop out of your graveyard for two and a black from then on. Yeah, that's, that is definitely cute. I think people look at that and go, wow, this is awesome. And then they're going to play with it and be like, oh, it's actually kind of hard to set this up (laughs) to jump through all these hoops, but that doesn't matter. It'll still be. Well, uh, your commentary uh, about Obeka still stands is that, okay, I've got my opening hand is like arcane signet, Lotus Bloom, some other Signet, Two Lands, Cedrus, and Final Fortune. <laughs> yeah. And then you're like, all right, all right, this Obeka plant's really coming together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't, yeah. Yep. Correct. <laughs> uh-huh. You're going you're to have to build, like, I'm going to build Obeka, and I'm going to build it suboptimal with just a whole bunch of nonsense like that in there that that where there's turns where I just do nothing for two, three turns in a row and then do something cute and then basically do nothing for two, three turns and then do something cute and maybe one game if, in 10, you go off. To, to, to be fair, though, if your EDH decks don't do that, then you're building them wrong. Probably. Your deck, in my like, opinion. Yeah, your deck should be, I want to try and do cute and amusing things and uh, the, everything else comes by the wayside. If you're like, yeah, every turn I'm making three land drops and powering up, be like, eh, whatever. I don't understand why anybody wants to shuffle their 100-card top-loaded decks for CEDH every 42 seconds. Yeah, it's really annoying. There's a definite value to having games that last an hour. Yeah. Um, 
All right, top uh, Magic yeah. Online movers of the yeah. week. Giver yeah. of Runes at a Modern Horizons, 9 to 11.50 or so, 27% gains. Notable because it's showing up over and over, and there's no n- nothing in the mix to create downward pressure, short of a Modern Horizons uh, revisit draft, which I suppose, suppose you might get in the lead-up to Modern Horizons 2, possibly. But... Yeah, months till that happens, so this could still have some juice in it. Scourge of the Sky Claves at Azenicar Rising from 13 and a bit to 17 and a bit for about 30% gains. Cards great. It's persistent and modern. Top eating again and again. It's rising. Ice Fang Quaddle, Modern Horizons as well. 6 to 8.50. This card's been hot a bunch of times in paper and made us money. Um, and I suspect this latest uh, impetus is probably that people are sniffing that Cal time is snow related and Kowalo might be freshly relevant in modern as a result. Mm. Yeah, I could see that. Seems fair. Archmage's charm in modern horizons as well from 571 to 983, 72% gains. He's playing moderns. He's playing legacy. It's been going on for a long time. Doesn't seem like it's going anywhere. And then the two biggest gainers of the week uh, that weren't promo cards, uh, opposition agent and hull breacher, massive massive rockstar super staples flying out of the gates of commander legends in a situation where everybody's super excited about the set but you can't really get your hands on this stuff in paper very easily right now uh, at least the collector booster versions and lots of play of these cards in legacy vintage edh on magic online so opposition agent came out around 18 popped up to 62 tickets 240% gains, and Hull Breacher went from 20 to 106. You need 424 tickets if you want to get your place at a Hull Breacher right now on Magic Online. What the hell? So, I, I, I haven't looked in our Discord's Magic Online uh, spec chat, but I would guess people are out there talking about shorting that card. <laughs> what? Yeah, like what? I, I think one of the factors is that the drafting for Commander legends is not the same as normal drafting it's a longer draft and playing it is longer like the rounds tend to be longer so the system the platform is generating less copies per minute than it normally would be huh okay which will which will tend to drive prices up as opposed to the opposite yeah i suppose that's fair so moving right along to paper cards to watch this week. I've got some pretty obvious ones. A lot of our listeners that are on the ball have probably already got their eyes on these cards, but I'm going to go with a green theme this week and call out <laughs> some stuff that I felt certain we had already picked, but we just haven't gotten around to calling out these specific obvious staples. These are specific obvious staples that our listeners have heard, but they don't have a podcast, so we get credit for talking about them. <laughs> Fair. More or less. Sometimes it's just nice to be reminded because, for instance, I was certainly we'll thinking validation. I knew I was going to be buying Ancient Green Warden, Foil, Mythic, Extended Arts, but I forgot about it for a couple weeks and then went and do, doing my research and realized that, yeah, we're probably about as close to the peak supply as we're going to be. It's not that you can't get Zendikar Rising Collector Boosters. In fact, we're having a, very, a relatively easy time getting those from vendors right now, which suggests to me that just as predicted, Wizards might have printed an extra 25 or 30% of those versus other sets of collector boosters they printed this year, knowing that the fetches would drive demand. And so there is some inventory sitting around that's going to take some time to drain out. 
none of that scares me off of these cards now because they're down at the levels around which we expect them to be at during lows. And even if they, you can shave a few bucks more off by waiting into the holiday season, consumer credit debt builds up as people buy uh, holiday gifts. You might get some chances at Black Friday sales this week. You know, you don't have to pull the trigger on this stuff immediately. But you want to look for your, if you can get within two, three, four bucks of, of the prices I'm going to call out here, you're definitely on the right track for the 6 to 12 month timeline. Green Warden's currently on TCG, foil, mythic, extended art, 20 bucks or so. It's in 2400 EDH rec deck so far, top 5 Zendikar Rising EDH cards, and more importantly, it's in 15% of all green decks. And if it holds anything even close to that in the long term, this is going to be a mega, mega super staple. And these, it's got a good shot at being like the Great Henge or Fiery Emancipation or Nyx Bloom Ancient. It's in that category. That is, uh, that is a gross number of copies played, like more than I would have expected for sure. Um, I, like I knew the card was good and was going to be good, but like 15% is a lot of decks. Like 15% of all green decks, that's a lot of decks. It's got a big butt. It blocks flyers. It gives you a crucible of world effect. Super, super useful. And it's expensive, but it's in a color that can handle a six mana, no problem. And if a land entering the battlefield causes a triggered ability of a permanent you control to trigger, the ability triggers an additional time. So if you're playing Omnath or something and you have this out, then things get silly real fast. Yeah, you know, it's been a while. I haven't really paid attention to like how many lands entering the battlefield triggers I have, but maybe this is just really good. Like, it's just easy for this to be very, very good, and a lot of decks have payout for it without even trying. Um, yeah. And then the decks that do try really get paid. And so we know that tons of Zendikar Rise and Collector Boosters were opened up front, but I would argue very few are being opened now. When inventory is floating, it makes it hard for you to spec on the collector boosters themselves because if you can get out, you know, we can be out there getting them at 190 uh, a box or whatever, and maybe we're going to get a deal on them at 175 at some point in the next few months. You know, that's, you're not going to be able to flip them for 250 like you were during opening week where they were hard to come by and really, really red hot. But that also means nobody's cracking them because when the shine comes off a product, they stop cracking. Same thing with Double Masters VIPs. There's a glut of inventory on TCG right now on that stuff still because there was guaranteed two of them per pack and people opened literally thousands of them. But no one's doing that now. Like none of our people are running out to buy VIPs. Nobody's at, very few people are asking me for Zendikar CBs this week. They want Commander Legend CBs. And by the time we get enough of those in people's hands and other vendors have filled people's need quotient, we'll be on to Kaldheim. And then we've got Time Spiral Remastered and all the old border foils. And so, the, you know, the clock keeps marching on. And, you know, is this peak supply for Zendikar Rising? C- close enough. Like, we're, we're a solid seven, eight weeks out from the hype cycle. So, yeah, I, I don't see... And there's no standard being played. So it, it also applies to most of the, you know, regular mythics. They're, those are going to pile would be piling up from people regularly drafting boxes at their LGS. But keep in mind that the LGS draft inventory that gets traded into stores doesn't even exist. I mean, that's a big part, a big part for smaller stores, why they, they you know can't run buy lists in an effective way during COVID if they don't have a solid online operation and strong marketing. Because 
a lot of these avenues, GPs, local store events, et cetera, that end up with cards back in vendors' hands just don't exist. Mm-hmm. So long story short, <laughs> I don't think you can go wrong with Ancient Green Warden EA foils under 20 bucks. We just we know enough now about foil mythic extended arts to know that that's a pretty solid price point. There's 50 or so results for these on TCG Player, so it's by no means about to hollow out or anything. But there's a nice steady ramp that says to me that sale by sale, day by day, give this 6 to 12 months, this is going to be minimum a $40 plus card. Yeah, and I have um, a, a lot of my picks kind of float in this range where it's like, yeah, I mean, like they're not not always four copy cards. There's stuff that, you know, is essentially the way we used to do this, which is speculating meant trying to find peak supply and then buying in with prices that they're low, which is closer to what this looks like. Um, and we kind of got, honestly, a little bit, we've gotten fat and lazy and spoiled because it hasn't been um, necessary because uh, we've just been able to you know, find premium cards that have 12 copies left and go in. So I, I like this quite a bit. The, the, the play pattern on this is exceptional. Um, and I keep thinking about what uh, Cafferty over at Tales of Adventure said, who's a, a big name among vendors. People are familiar with this guy. But he's pretty sure that they actually short printed Zendikar uh, so that they could drive Commander Legends product. uh, product now he may not have been specifying the collector's boosters but it it doesn't really matter the card is awesome extremely popular Um, the larger supply doesn't bother me uh, and 20 bucks is not that much so a 40 to 50 dollar ultra premium version of this which is unlikely to get improved upon anytime in the next five years at least seems great all right what's your first pick this week um, so I went browsing, um, and it would seem that uh, the Walking Dead secret layers must have just landed. Is that what's going on here? I don't have any information on this, but I'm presuming that what is the first or second wave of those suddenly became available because Negan shot up the Commander playlist this week. Um, and I don't remember seeing him really any weeks prior, but he got really popular. And Negan... The secret, the Negan had the unfortunate timing of being previewed only a couple weeks before Commander Legends was spoiled. So, like, people saw him, all that whole kerfuffle occurred. And then he's, I, I presume, only now mostly hitting people's inbox mailboxes, but the people are thinking about Commander's Legends right now. Uh, but he does look like a very cool commander, unfortunately. Uh, people. I think he, he does something nifty that people are going to want to play with. And that's not, and I said that before too. And he seems, you know, this week he's second most popular commander. Um, now commander legends splitting the popularity all over the place. might be part of that, but even still, there's clearly some appeal there. That, so where do I go from there? Well, revel and riches is going to be a big part of that deck. Uh, everyone playing Negan is going to be playing revel and riches. It's in like 90% of the decks built right now. And I would assume that 10% of people missing it, 
don't know it's there. Um, the pack foils out of Ixlon are about eight or nine dollars right now. It's very big in obviously big in Negan. It's in over thirteen thousand decks on EDA track across the board. Um, there are about thirty-four vendors across all three copies. The pack foils there are I think twenty vendors, um, and you know one or two guys might have five or six copies, but like that's it. It's all ones and twosies from there. So I think you can get in on these at eight to nine dollars. Uh, for the foils and then look to out between 15 and 20 it might be a 15 to 16 dollar card in i don't know quarter one next year quarter two next year probably would be my aim secret layer of the walking dead doesn't come out till january and that's if they hit their timeline copies oh, that are listed on tcg player right now are pre-order oh okay so just... i would guess that I mean, Revel and Riches, though, is treasure-based, and we just got a very strong pirate theme laden with treasure tokens um, in Commander Legends. So I would imagine that that's driving Revel and Riches as much as anything else. Well, that that that, that doesn't surprise me, but Negan specifically is very popular this week. Like, I didn't see him at all as a commander in the past X number of weeks, and then this week he's number two. So that... It's gotta mean something. Like I get, I guess that could be just the variation in the data, but it seems odd that he would be so popular this week. Hmm. Well, it doesn't matter. The card is still well positioned. Hmm. Yeah, I see Negan there, and he wasn't there last week. Odd. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I don't think you need Negan, or even necessarily Pirates, for Rebel and Riches to be good. This card was a spec before any of that showed up. Uh, so all it really needs is to fade foil copies. So don't put this in a secret layer anytime soon, and these are going to drain out. They're, the ramp's pretty steep. I, I'm certain we called this way back down the road during Ixalan, like the spring of Ixalan block, at probably 3 or $4 for foils or something, and they've already doubled since then. They'll get the rest of the way there as long as they fade the reprint. I I did search to make sure this does not show up. It does not show up on this sheet. So it has basically been at least a year since we talked about it. Makes um, sense. Yeah, so it's got some some time. In the so probably the top priority foil extended art mythic from Zeneca Rising is Turn Timber Symbiosis, but I called that several weeks back. Ancient Green Warden is probably your second pick. And your third pick is a Shia Soul of the Wild. For many of the same reasons. This one's in just under a shade under 2,000 EDH rec decks so far. It's in 12% of green decks as opposed to 15% for Ancient Green Warden. Uh, I got the pleasure of having this in my sealed pool for the uh, Pro Trader tournament this month. And I didn't realize till I cast it that it turned all of my creatures into forests. Which then meant that I added my creatures plus my lands together to get her power and toughness. Yeah. <laughs> She's a beating in limited, and also pretty good in commander, where you can do all sorts of interesting combo-y things with her. Um, if people cast spells that destroy all non-lands, for instance, and she's in the table, then all your creatures survive, and everybody else's creatures do not, uh, which came up on a recent command zone game and looked pretty sexy happening. So yeah, Turn Timber, Ancient Green Warden, Ashaya, it's going to be hard to go wrong. Ashaya is even cheaper than Ancient Green Warden. You can get them for 14 in foil extended art right now. 14 to 30 is a sure bet in my mind. 
uh, give it a year. Uh, I'd say six to 12 months for Ancient Green Warden and Terran Timber. Ashaya, call it 12 months to be a little safer, but it's going to get there too. Yeah, I, I I think overall, if I have to pick between them, I like Green Warden more um, because I think that's probably a slightly stronger card overall in the abstract. Um, but Ashaya is still good, and clearly people are playing her, uh, and at a price point that's 25% less than Ancient Green Warden, that's uh, ideal. And 12, I mean, I can't argue with 12 to 25, like that seems... 15 to 30, sorry. That seems um, very well positioned as well. So even though I like Green Warden a little more, I do think Ashaya is still quite quite solid at that price point. All righty. What's your second pick? Oh, uh, this week following up with uh, some looking at some Sakashima stuff because that has clearly been popular. And I think Cliff is going to be happy to hear me say this because I feel like I've heard him talk about this card before. But Clever Impersonator... Um, on a probably a three to six month timeline also the foils out of dragons of tarkir this is nine bucks right now for the foil clever impersonators there is it's in fifteen thousand eda truck decks it's a top 50 blue card there are 25 vendors on tcg player and prices get up into the 13 14 range after i don't know three or four play sets um just generally a useful card in that format and with sakashima's strength it's going to light a little bit of a fire under that card's butt so this is the best version you can get for the time being and nine to like 20 ish doesn't seem uh unreasonable at all um this this one like revel and riches is a type of card that i definitely want to pick up uh sorry i said dragons of tarkir it's cons of tarkir my, my apologies definitely the type of card i want to pick up let it hit its double you know, a little over double, and then sell it and move on. Um, I like. I am mildly concerned that you will get a cooler version of this, but I do also think we're at least two years out from it, so I'm not worried about it immediately. But um, well, they just gave us Sakashima, Sakashima Student, and Glasspool Mimic, so there's there's a commitment to printing clone variants over and over again. But if you're trying oh, to yeah. build a clone heavy deck, then you're going to want all the good ones, and this is one of the better ones. Glasspool Mimic, for instance, only copies your own stuff, whereas this can copy any non-land permanent on the battlefield, which can be very handy in Commander. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the card, the card's good in the format. There's no question about that. Uh, I guess I'm just thinking, like... It, so the, the reason I made that comment is it kind of stems from something I was talking about on Twitter a little bit this week, which is, as a player, um, I kind of find myself in a position where I look at cards that are... Mo- any modern border foil so like clever impersonator is exactly the card that i'm talking about it's a modern border um it's has no there's no special treatment of this card basically um uh, but it's not an old border it's not a special border it's just a plain old magic card in foil i'm, I'm not really wild about them anymore like it's just not a card i'm eager to buy before we started getting all of the expedition like cards um masterpiece type cards i really liked them they were they were fun to collect but the the shine so to speak is just gone completely on this type of card so it's still the best type of card you can get like in first for many cards, it is the best version you can get, like Clever Impersonator. But I am less enthusiastic about them because now every time I look at something like this, I go, "Yeah, well, how long until we get a cool version though?" 
right? Like how long in Magic 2023 are we going to see Clever Impersonator come back with a new art and full art? Like maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But it does make me wonder about it. Um, this and it just takes some of the takes some of the excitement out of these just basic pack foils. You want to be in and out on cards like this because this one has no insulation. This is a creature shapeshifter, any set. Clever impersonator, doesn't reference Dark here. Two and two blue, clone effect. This could show up in a standard set at any time. Yeah. And I'll guarantee you, one of the things people would not guess looking at this card, it's not a rare, it's a mythic. But I guarantee you, the next time they print this, it'll be a rare. And it'll get a rare foil extended art treatment, and they will be dirt cheap. <laughs> they'll be yeah. two to they'll be two to three dollars. So you want to be in and out of this thing near twenty to twenty five, long before that happens. Yep, and that's and that's what and that's exactly the type of thing I'm thinking about. And for you know, and deaths or uh, clever impersonator is only one of those types of cards, right? It's everything in that stripe where there just isn't the cool version yet. Yeah. So, uh, my final pick is an early flag for uh, Commander Legends, a foil extended art rare. Uh, we ran some math on the these that we're going to talk about in a little bit here that makes me more confident in the foil extended art rares than I would normally be uh, for early pickup. I'm talking about Court of Bounty. Court of Bounty has two major things going for it. Other than being from a supply challenge set, which is already a major boon. It's a two and a two green for an enchantment. When it enters the battlefield, you become the monarch. Anything with that word on it has tended to go up over time. Um, and the more, the higher critical mass you get of monarch cards, the more likely that people are going to build deck, more and more decks around the concept. At the beginning of your upkeep, you may put a land from your hand onto the battlefield if you have the card in play. So at minimum... It's what, exploration? Uh, yeah. If you're the monarch, you get to put a creature or a land from your hand onto the battlefield during your upkeep. So it's got a natural order style effect, but you don't have to sack a creature. You just got to stay the monarch for a turn. And then you just start compounding value because presumably you're bringing out stuff that either wins you the game right away, allows you to enact a combo, or defends your monarch status etc etc and it doesn't say green creature it's just any creature extreme utility this fits in so many decks if you wanted to because it has like the floor on it is just fine but the ceiling is so so high and you know clever players will enjoy putting together the puzzle of how to become the monarch and to stay the monarch and these are down to about 12 dollars or so on tcg right now but here's the thing. Not only is this set supply challenged, but because of that, the, res the, the results on TCG Player, number total number of listings and copies per listing are very low, especially for the Mythic Foil, the Foil uh, Extended Art Mythics from Commander Legends, but also to a certain degree for the rares. There's only 52 results for this. This is, we're recording this on Tuesday, five days after release. There should be 160 listings. Of this card and this should have been driven down to six to seven dollars by now so if you believe based on your sources that more commander legends uh, collector boosters are coming in the next six weeks and there's going to be a significant restock that will be persistent it'll end up hanging out in the market and you think collector booster boxes are going to drop from 260 which i sold a bunch at today 
down to, you know, 200 or sub 200, then you can hold your horses here. You don't need to run, you know, rush in and grab quarter bounties at 12 bucks. You could wait till they get to six or seven or eight if you think that's going to happen. Thing is, talk about it in a minute, I'm not so sure. All, all I can tell you is this. Wherever the low is for quarter bounty, you should probably pick some up. It's just too obvious of a card. We can't even be that far off from the low. I mean, if we're talking about 12 and $13, like, this is a a playable extended art foil. The bare minimum price on this has got to be like six or seven, right? Like, we, well, what, did we, what did we determine the floor for foil extended arts was it was like three or four dollars for a, for a good one yeah but we've seen well, just, some very cheap ones like i think we flagged magmatic channeler a few weeks back at something scandalously low right it was uh let's see if i can track it down i think i think we called it out on the first collector's corner if i'm not mistaken because it was so so low like i guess i, I flagged two that that day transmogrifies at a dollar and maddening cacophony is at four and so there's definitely room for foil extended art rares to drop further. Yeah, dollar fifty for but the this, challenge right But now. this supply challenge for the bottom line is this: there's a facility in Dallas owned by Cardamundi. It makes all the ancillary products. It makes the collector boosters. They've clearly been having trouble getting product out the door for a solid four or five months now, and it doesn't look like that pressure is going to let off. Because uh, let me sidestep for a second. There was an interesting interview posted on our Discord this week about the Flesh and Blood TCG, and it was the CEO of that game talking about the seven-year process that led them to get to market and challenges of trying to launch a new game during COVID and all this kind of thing. But there was two tidbits that I picked out of there that were interesting from a magic finance perspective. One was they also print with Carta Monday. Second was they were talking about the specific lead time from press to print. I mean, press to, to retail. And I was like, ooh, I've heard was, this talked about, but I've never heard it explicitly stated by an executive at a TCG. He's talking about how uh, in May, they were at press for an August release. May, June, July, August. So you're talking three to four months. Now, we've said in the past that it was probably four months before they would be committed at press. But now I feel relatively certain because it wasn't just that he said it took them four months it was that he was talking about when the contract needed to be signed to get guaranteed press space i suspect that policy is very similar for wizards as it is for this smaller company in new zealand that does flesh and blood now wizards may have priority over companies like that given their volume and so forth but still a pretty reasonable data point four month lead times so Kaldheim is probably or has already gone to press. It's probably sitting at a warehouse somewhere because that comes out at the end of January. We're already almost at the start of December. That's only two months out. They have probably already run a lot of that product. And mm -hmm. if that's been running in the interim, it's tough to get on press and get more Commander Legends CBs out the door if you didn't already have them. So it's tricky. People keep thinking like, oh, the set's so popular. It was hyped so hard. They're definitely, it's, somebody was saying in our Discord, it's a printed demand set. No, 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 no. Printed demand means that the main boxes, Commander Legends booster boxes, will come out in subsequent waves throughout the year. But there's nothing about that that guarantees that you're going to get another printing of collector boosters. I, I, what I suspect will happen 
we'll get into this in more detail in a second. But I think you're going to get a wave 1.5. We're we're pretty much there, so you might as well just launch into it. <laughs> there's gonna, this is the, there, the wave the listener card, right? There's going to be a wave 1.5 to fill in some gaps, and maybe in the in Q1 of uh, 2021, you might see a 20 or 30 percent of original run wave hit stores. But I guarantee you that will be like your average LGS gets one case, two cases, they sell out and they're gone. It'll be like what's happened with Jumpstart this fall, where even when more inventory landed, like Europe got a bunch of Jumpstart two or three weeks ago, well, we bought like 20 cases from one vendor and then they couldn't get any more. <laughs> and they said they can't get any more until probably February. So that's a printed demand product too. Doesn't mean it won't have supply challenges. I, yes. <laughs> uh, that all sounds reasonable. I, I find the, the guy's comments very interesting and i wonder if somebody at wizards is reading that and being like what the hell dude shut up like (laughs) stop spilling the beans about this stuff uh a four month turnaround time does seem reasonable trying to process what that means to me i I, the, the the greater the greater point here of it, it, uh, what it, the, the simplest point that it means is that you can't just all of a sudden decide on Tuesday while you already have your bookings in motion for Calheim that you would also at the same facility, which is under COVID lockdown and, and is probably staff challenged and shift length challenged and whatever, you can't just say, hey, I want another 40% of my run. Yeah, I mean, I figured that was probably a six, a, at least a six month process like when we had ultimate masters a couple years ago and they released it in what was like may or something and then the next release they had the second wave late in the year um i mean i kind of figured that they either had planned that from the get-go or like the first two or three weeks of sales they decided to go back to press uh made a real quick decision but mostly i I figured that they probably had already had that in the in the chamber to begin with and maybe even they had printed it all uh and then for whatever reason weren't able to get it all out the door and decided to hold it back and do a second wave later on um all that said i i think that the idea here of in general, I think COVID is definitely straining production and people being able to get the products out the door. And we don't need the guy at Flesh and Blood to even confirm that for us. So the concerns over additional supply, I think, are are not unfounded, but I'm not as shaken by them as others might be. Because even if they do go back to press, like Wizards doesn't really show an interest in delivering a lot of additional premium product. Like I think they'd be much more inclined to provide more normal product than premium product and especially with how tight their how packed their schedule is these days that's the thing it doesn't like it doesn't seem like they're ever really eager to go back and re-release a, a, a product that was hyped like that's not really and, and, I, best and I was interest. talking to a major vendor the other day and running some of these concepts by him and he was like yeah absolutely like outside outside the hype cycle they do not ever try to go back and print a large quantity. Like when you get additional waves, they get they, they, they tend to print them at on a curve. So if you had 40,000 units planned for the first six weeks and you only managed to print 25,000, you don't go back to press and print another, the full 15,000 necessarily because you may not just may not be able to get the slot. 
And in fact, you, you may, even if you do a second wave, you don't necessarily gain the ground down the road either. Because outside the hype cycle, the product sells slower. Oh, yeah. So yeah. you're just going to, you don't, whatever you missed, you're not necessarily going to make up at, at, the, at the further interval. And if we, the, one of the circumstances I can recall was when they did the second printing six months later of Eternal Masters and everybody lost their minds. Oh, it was Eternal Masters. Maybe that's what I was thinking of. Where they printed it like early summer and they said it's limited run. And then in, heading into Christmas, vendors started saying, oh, wait, we've got these cheap again. And everyone yeah. was like, wah! But the thing was, that inventory sold through in about two months. And then we were right back with the singles gaining ground. Mm-hmm. So yes, it's, it, it's friction, but how much friction? And is it material to your game plan if you're looking to hold for a year and flip? And, and I guess the rider to this is if you believe that Wizards isn't interested in doing a lot of releases outside of their hype cycle for the product... Um, you know, they're not eager to put additional product on shelf if that's not what's in the news cycle right now. Uh, they're constantly in hype cycles for sets at this point. Like, it is nonstop. So given that, it's like, well, there's never going to be a time where another product isn't in a hype cycle, right? Like, there isn't room in the schedule for Commander Legends to kind of get the spotlight again or to drag that out because we've got, I don't know, whatever the hell is next in two weeks, I'm sure. Well, and the well, thing about... Uh, sorry, the thing it's it, Christmas, so we get a little bit longer. We get four weeks. And the nature of the etched foil commanders in, in Commander Legends, because keep in mind, they took a bunch of old commanders, they said they were mythics, and they put them in their own slot. You get one per pack in the collector boosters. You can also get them in the boxes. We'll talk about those stats in a minute, but it's way less. So even if people had trouble getting their hands on the etched foil commanders a year out, we already know for sure this time, 2022, they're going to give us Commander Legends 2. Gavin Verhey is already on Twitter bragging about how there was so much material they didn't use, blah, 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 blah. Uh-huh. And this this setup in the collector boosters with the etched foils where you bring back old commanders and put them in the reprint slot works again if, if for some reason they get really pricey because... If uh, your lock is hard to find 16 months out in the etched version and has quadrupled in price, which is entirely possible, then they'll just give us a reprint down the road in a very convenient slot that they've already designed ahead of time. Um, I, 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 just, I would have to go back and double check, but I wonder if the commanders from this set that had a weaker etched foil offering, had another, had a new commander printed that was strong so that when they go back to Commander Legends in two years, they have a better choice now for the etched foil. Yeah, I haven't looked at that too closely. The um, Okay, so just a couple of points, and, then, and I want to give it the uh, Pro Trader pick of the week, and then we'll move on to the rest of this conversation. So one of the things that stands out to me is that we talked about how Ashaya was 12% of green decks, impressive. Ancient Green Warden, 15% of green decks. Well, Court of Bounties in 17% of green decks since it was revealed. Sure. Now, you might expect that a card gets a much higher percentage inclusion rate just as it comes out. And that that falls over time once the spotlight moves on. And indeed, if you look at... Uh, the other popular cards from Commander Legends right now, especially Hall Breacher and Opposition Agent, as hyped as they are and as ubiquitous 
as they are likely to be as utter super staples in the format that also have roles to play in Legacy and Vintage, apparently. Um, they're showing up in just absolutely ridiculous numbers, that the likes of which we never see unless you're talking about Soul Ring. I think Hull Breach is in 51% of all decks huh. recorded <laughs> since it came out, and Opposition Agents in 44%. <laughs> and the only things that are higher than them are the auto-include dual lands. Vault of Champions, Underground Stadium, Rejuvenating Springs, and Training Center, which range from 43% for spectator seating up to 58% for Training Center. <laughs> Hard to beat 50% inclusions. Um, but nevertheless, uh, Court of Bounty is going to get there. Just give it a little time. Uh, the Pro Trader uh, card to watch this week is Embercleave Foil Extended Art. Pretty sure... It was a pick of mine as well in fall of 2019, but enough time has elapsed and the play here is rock solid because he's saying grab it in the EU where you can get them for about 38 euros with shipping and everything is probably going to work out to 50, maybe 52, maybe 54. Um, It's already pushing 80 in North America on TCG player. There's very few copies left on there. It's $65 buy list backed at Card Kingdom. And we know that Eldraine foil extended art mythics are about as rare as the ones that come out of Commander Legends. Because that was, prior to Commander Legends, the lowest drop rates for those, where you got about one per box-ish, not quite one per box. And that's about what you get of the uh, foil mythic extended arts in Commander Legends as well. It's in 5,000 decks so far in EDH Rec, which is not nearly the kind of numbers of some of these other cards we were talking about, but it's still very respectable. Uh, and I wouldn't be surprised to see this show up in, say, Pioneer or something with, with the right list at some point, but you don't even need that. Just casual cube and commander alone will get this there just because it's the f- from the first run of Collector Boosters ever made. Print run wasn't super deep. Don't see a reprint of this anytime soon. Um, I think that, you know, if you're buying them for, you know, whatever, in you're buying them at 40 or 50 bucks in the year in the eu and they're what did you say they are in pushing years? pushing 80 in north america there's yeah. some copies in the mid 60s but very few so i mean that's fine like that seems that's just an straight arbitrage play it's hard to argue with that i will say i don't in on the whole i don't love this card um I don't see a large play pattern for this at all outside of standard like sun cubes like when you thought when we talked about it before it was much earlier in the card's life cycle and it was a lot cheaper too i think now we're halfway through its standard life cycle and i just i'm not clear how popular this actually is well 5000 EDH rec decks in a year is respectable not yeah, amazing but not amazing but yeah. respectable it's 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 you're absolutely right $80 for a card that puts up 5000 in a year is like, eh. So yeah, but that's, it, it, and that's it's, what I mean. It's a, it's a supply side play. It's yeah. not that every commander player needs this, but just consider just the Morog players <laughs> that will be very happy to slap an Embercleave on their Morog and go to town. Yeah, I mean, obviously that's good. I guess I'm I'm not questioning the play, right? Like, again, it's an arbitrage play. If the numbers are there, then it makes sense, and it's hard to argue with that. But I, you know, at a more abstract level, I don't love the card. Uh, and I'm not saying it's going to go down in price. I just don't really want to be in a position where I'm 
hoping this is going to hit a hundred dollars or whatever because I, I just don't see why it would really it's it, it will because there's just no supply and no place to resupply and no buy lists via gps until at least nine months from now with everything else going on this is not where i'd want to spend my time waiting to hope that i make profit on it fair enough so grand slam breaks still gets his 25 dollars gift certificate from cool stuff inc thank you much for your uh, selection this week now let's get back to commander legends price motion it's a lot easier to be critical of uh the viewer listener picks because i don't have to sit there and talk to them about why i don't like it you you <laughs> have to i have to you know, I have to be like well james you know your pick I, well you're, let's consider some angles and this one i'm like it's crap get out I, I tell people all the time you can come at me hard just make sure you're right yeah no yeah. I, I i know and i and i would be more than willing to tell you if i really dislike something and it never really comes up so let's go through a couple of real weird things take a look at a chroma's will extended art foil rare on TCG player right now. All right, let me pull this up. Chroma's Will from Commander Legends. This is that weird looking art. Uh, so this is the modal white card. Choose one. If you control a commander, you get to choose both. Creatures you control gain flying, vigilance, and double strike. Creatures you control gain lifelink, indestructible, and protection from all colors. So this is your overrun style finisher in a white deck. Um, it's going to see play. It's got... It's open-ended enough that it's going to end up in a whole bunch of different kinds of decks. White, in general, is underpowered and needs some assistance sometimes to drive the nail home and take the game or knock a player out. But what I'm seeing here doesn't explain any of, any of this. The Yeah, the card's good, but I, this is one of the ones I would have expected to get down to 4 or $5 or even less in foil rare extended art if there was a normal amount of supply. Instead, we have 12 listings on TCG Player right now, and they range from 11 with shipping up to 20, and that's just it. That's all the copies after opening weekend. There should have been, whatever, three, 4,000 CBs cracked and inventory posted, and this is it. Someone clearly took a swipe here. I grabbed three or four copies when I was doing my research on the weekend and realized how low these were. Grabbed four at 10 bucks or whatever. Looking to lean into this and see whether the get, it fills in completely. You get a set, big second wave of supply in two weeks and this just craters to six bucks. Or whether this can hold steady in the face of just nothingness. There's no supply coming in and rise up to 20 or 25 a year earlier than it should have. This inventory is surprisingly low. Uh, I will grant you that. I would expect of this product, you know, especially since with how much of I, I've seen on social media this weekend, yeah, to be a good bit higher. I mean, if you go back to like M21 product, it was way higher than 12 copies, right? Like there's a lot of copies of those. But th- there are foil right now. rare extended arts from <laughs> name a set since Eldrain. That have way more inventory than this still. Yeah. Um, and and, it, and it, there, this odd these this odd mixture of great cards because definitely don't get this part wrong. Commander Legends is a great Magic set, especially the collector boosters. The foil etched commanders look great in person. They are 
absolutely a collectible. I do want a full set of them, and I know lots of other people will feel the same, because even if you don't build a certain commander now, they'll print some more partners down the road, you'll notice some new partner interaction, and it'll be nice to be able to snap these out of your collection that you've had the whole time and put them to work at some point. Um, the relatively low drop rate for the foil extended arts, rare and mythic, to a lesser extent the common and uncommons, which by the way are all the same rarity, even if they're called commons and uncommons, um, is being low means that they're going to be worth more in the future. And then there's just a bunch of good new cards and reprints and super staples. Vampiric Tutor, Mana Drain, Your Swords of Plowshares, Kodama's Reach, Blasphemous Act again, Soul Ring, Thought Vessel, Arcane Signet. Like, <laughs> it, it doesn't get any more staple than this set. They, the odds of pulling a really weird junk, no one's ever going to play it, foil extended art out of your pack are significantly lower than normal there's they still exist but not nearly to the level they would out of something like core 21 or something where there's just going to be a bunch of random draft rares and that you're pulling in foil extended art for no reason now if you if you go over and look at hull breacher this supposed super staple that's getting that top eight advantage this week 60 dollars for a foil rare extended art on day five and there are only 25 results of that one, and they go from 50 to $100. 60 to $100. It's not a mythic, it's a rare. The Hall of Breacher doesn't surprise me just because people are not as eager to rush to the bottom on that as they might be on the other stuff, simply because it's that and Opposition Agent are, are the two, like, you know, Banner, they're the true name nemesis from this set. Um, sure, but they're not. But they're not mythics. And if you think about something like Skyclave Apparition, which arguably is actually more ubiquitous than either card. Those two cards are auto-includes in Commander. But Sky Skyclave Apparition is a four of in well, Pioneer, Modern, Legacy, and that probably is underplayed in Commander, really. Yeah, I mean, there's a difference there for sure. Um, I, I would look at that and go, Skyclave Apparition may may be comparable play levels for a blah, 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 but it's... We're talking. This is the Commander Legends set about EDH, and they just released two mega staples for Commander. Yep. So, like, I think that sort of that connection does better for Opposition Agent Hall Breacher than it would for Apparition. But but we, but we am, can agree I, that hold on, Skyclave Apparition. We were getting at ten to eleven dollars for the foil EA a couple weeks out, and it wasn't even certain that you weren't supposed to wait till it got to seven or eight. These are I, at a six times multiplier. I also think the jury was still out on Skyclave Apparition. Like, don't again. It was it was good, but I think that the power level of that card on the opening weekend, the perceived power level of that card on opening weekend was very different than Hall Breacher and Opposition. Sure, Agent. but what if I told you that you can still get copies foil extended arts? Skyclave apparitions are down to fourteen dollars on TCG with forty-five results. Well, okay. So same same number of results at peak supply as these have on day five, and the multiplier is four to five times. I, I mean, I can also see that and go, well, Skyclave apparition is more competitive than EDH, most likely. 
those guys are going to be a little slower to pick up a foil EA playset, especially because they don't need them right now. Sure. Whereas I, I agree Commander with player it. only needs one, and he can play with it right now if he's playing webcam. Like, there are differences. I, I get the point you're making. I just, these particular... Well, the, the point I'm making points. is that the only really good explanation that cut that explains the whole gap is supply. The, this allocations got slashed in North America. They got slashed in Europe. Japan is no help at all. Their their boxes were going for like 325 over there, 350 retail with Harry or something. They're gobbling up copies of related cards. They even had they they didn't even have cheap jeweled lotuses. Like I don't even know who needs a jeweled lotus in Japan, but they're still paying they're still pricing them at $500. $600, $700 US for the Japanese foil extended arts over there. Yeah. Europe's no help because they don't have enough inventory to be cracking super deep. So I just got a big inventory list from one of our vendors that looks pretty tempting on this stuff, but I'm not even sure if I'm supposed to pull the trigger because buying cards during a supply supply slump, if supply is forthcoming, would be incorrect. But I'm not convinced that more additional supply is forthcoming. I need to see it to believe it this time. And I just think it's entirely possible that we'll get a trickle and it won't reverse course on enough of these cards which makes a lot of them holds. Like, I would have told people, for sure, sell your foil extended art jeweled lotus into this hype. For sure. And in fact, I opened a non-foil... <laughs> I, I opened a non-foil extended art last night that's valued at currently about $70 or so, $70, And I'm not 100% I'm supposed to sell it. Like, I'm, I think I'm going to because I'll feel foolish if I don't. But because it's not foil. But if you if I had pulled a foil, I'm I'm not certain. I'm not certain that you're supposed to well, sell it. Because it's probably not the next Amano. But if the supply stays choked, there's it's just gonna be none of these around. And this is the point where we should move over to the stats. Well, oh, okay, so I, I wanna make a couple of comments here before we just before we get to that. A uh you sell the jeweled lotus regardless because it doesn't matter that the supply is going to be possibly more constrained. The problem is people thought that card, that card came out and people thought it was a 13 and realistically it's like a six and supply constraints cannot make up that much power level difference between perceived and actual. Uh, I'm also flipping through TCG player, looking at extended art foils across rares and uncommons and uncommons. And Akroma's will is definitely low compared to pretty much all these. Someone thought this card had something going for it, but the number, but the numbers are bouncing between like 25 and 40, which is still a little on the low side, maybe by like 20%. More, more than that. You should have 100, 120 listings opening weekend. Yeah, I mean, which is, which is also fair. I could, I could be on ballparking underneath what I would expect. So even if a Chroma's Will is clearly got some extra attention on it, the other extended art foil rares are still lower than you would expect opening weekend. Like, let's go to extended art core 2021 which was had tons of foil extended arts in the set or just yeah that one seemed like a real glut of supply actually i'll go to zendikar rising because it has a more reasonable drop rate but like pick a bad rare so something like nighthawk scavenger extended art foils are three dollars and 38 cents and there's even at peak supply there's 99 results right so it's way low 
that it, the, the reality is that the, the majority of the expected inventory has either not been produced or has not reached market. There's no guarantees about which of those two it is, but this does not look right. These, these prices are definitely inflated by lack of supply. However, there is another factor. We, we ran some math on the drop rates and what it means about the likely print run. And I also interviewed a variety of vendors about what they thought the print runs were like for the collector boosters for Commander Legends. And the best information I could get was that there were certainly no more than 10,000 boxes of Commander Legends CBs in Europe. Probably not more than 10,000 everywhere outside of Europe and North America. So APAC and wherever else, South America, etc. And that America probably had boxes, like North America, US and Canada, probably had something like max 30,000 units. So that's like 50,000 units total. Apparently Russia has like 300 complete. <laughs> that's it. Um, now, let's say it's not 50,000. Let's say the total print run after they fill in some gaps here or whatever is 80,000. Sounds like a lot, right? But it's not really. Because the percentage chance of pulling a specific foil mythic extended art out of a pack is like 0.04%. Sorry, sorry, a a specific foil mythic extended art odds per pack is like 0.24%. 0.24%. So you basically need somewhere between 35 and 40 boxes to find a foil jeweled lotus. Okay? Okay. That's a lot of boxes. So if you have 80,000 of them, the total number of jeweled lotuses in the world would be no more than 2,259. I mean, that's... And okay, that's, so let's and put... that's if there's 80,000 boxes. Now, you, so you might be that... a disbeliever. You might hear me and say, ah, that's bullshit. There's way more than that. Okay, you think that there's... What? You think that there's 160,000? Zero evidence to support that, but sure, let's go with your 160,000 number. There are still less than 5,000 copies of this card. So I want to, we should put this in in context. I believe that we we said that the masterpieces were, like the inventions, were roughly 10,000, right? 10 10 to 20,000 was the range there. Okay. So that would mean that 5,000 is comically low. Uh, and, and we know a mono foil Liliana, the most expensive modern card in existence that came out of a regular box, um, is about in that range, like probably two to three thousand. Okay. And that two came out of only thousand. Japanese boxes. So you're comparing, and and you can do some math to support this kind of thing. Like if you want to figure out existence logic. You can figure out roughly, like, if you think that print paper magic has, say, 400 million in sales, which is about, it's in it's in the ballpark. That's not the exact number, but it's not very far off. And you gave a rough share per major set. Like, this week, this year we had Theros, Ikoria, M21, Double Masters, Zendikar Rising, and Commander Legends. With a bunch of other, like, ancillary products, right? And there's revenue from the digital side of the brand. Uh, which is probably more uh, expense than profit at this point, but say la vie. Then 
if you're going to roughly say all those sets are equal, and they're not, but just for argument's sake, they'd be something like a 60 to $70 million project each. And the true range might be closer to, you know, somewhere between 50 and $75 million or something, depending on the time of year sets sell, sell to different levels. That means, like, the, the most number of boxes you could have, given what wizards would charge a distributor to buy a box, because their revenue comes from the distributor purchase, not the the retailer purchase or the end user purchase. Like if I pay 250 for a box, Wizards doesn't get 250. They get whatever the distributor paid, which could be 155 or something. And that means there's there's no way you can have and keep in mind that Commander Legends as a product is not just collector boosters. You also have to account for a large volume of regular boxes which are printed demand and in theory will come out in multiple waves over the course of the year in declining quantities. So all of that being the case, you probably can't have more than any, like a few tens of thousands of collector boxes. Otherwise, the math just doesn't add up because you know, you're going to get into so many millions of dollars so quickly that it just doesn't fit into the product release schedule in any kind of sensible way. So we know that there's the long story short... Mythics are less than three nope, three thousand. Nope. Long story long. Long story long. <laughs> Mythics are less than three thousand. Rares are less than five thousand. Even the uncommons and commons, which by the way, again, are all the same rarity, um, because we looked and we know that because we looked at box cracking data from like a box cracking of a major vendor that opened hundreds and hundreds of boxes, and we have the exact counts of every card that came out of them. So with with that those stats in hand, we can see that all the the commons and uncommons drop at yep. roughly the same rate. So as in the commons drop at the same rate as other commons or commons drop at the same rate as the mythics? No, as, un- mean- as uncommons. So uncommon when, 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 to uncommon, they are roughly the same. Commons and uncommon marked extended foil extended arts are the same thing. They don't have different rarities. Wizard, Wizards oh. has pulled the old switcheroo like they did with the showcase cards in, in Core 21 where they marked certain cards as being a higher rarity than they actually were. All right. Are you're telling me, let me see if we get this correct, that there are the same number of soul ring extended art foils, which is an uncommon yep. as thought vessel extended art foils, which is also an uncommon. Right. So the raw data on that was that they pulled out of 50 collector booster boxes, they pulled 18 soul rings. And what was the other card? Thought vessel. 19 thought vessels, 18 soul rings. Okay. But we're still talking like one lotus, jeweled lotus. Uh, out of that whole, out of that many boxes, they pulled four jeweled lotuses. Okay. Extended. So, so, okay. So just to be clear, the... The uncommons are still more common than the mythics and the rares, but uncommon to uncommon, they're the same. They're not weighted. And I should clarify that last point. They pulled four regular jeweled lotus out of 50 collector boxes. They only pulled one foil, which makes sense because we know that it's, as I said, it's about 35 or 40 boxes to get one. Yeah, very rare. Okay. So, okay. So that means all the uncommons are basically the same rarity. So I'm calling them UCCs, uncommons, commons. Because they are just a single rarity. Now, okay, so the commons are also the same rarity 
as the uncommon. So that means you're telling me if there were 19 extended art foil soul rings, there should also be 18 to 20 extended art foil pick your common. Which means the really good commons have been targeted by pro traders and others already this weekend when they looked when there was cheap bricks in Europe because something like a foil extended art Findhorn Elf at $2.25 has got to be wrong. So the counter spell, which is a common, is worth looking at. Yeah. It, 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 like, like it, that, that's what we're talking about. Like this the, this the, is where the, we circle back. The counter to spell. There sh- so there should be the same number of Fintorn Elf extended art foils as Soul Ring extended art foils. There are correct. The okay. for a fact there are, and the and the result is that people are interpreting the commons as being worth less than the uncommons, and that might actually create drag from perception side because they get up to twenty dollars and people are like i'm not paying twenty dollars for a common but it was never a common and yeah. and the bottom line is that even even those there are less than ten thousand copies in the world and what's different about this set is there's less of it around the drop rates are lower <laughs> and there's way more staples way more staples the the cards involved are a braid, acidic slime, arcane signet, mega staple, oh, yeah. boros charm, burnished heart, kuambage witches, which is useless, but it has Seb McKinnon art on it. I don't know why they keep giving Seb McKinnon art assignments on useless cards. Well, well they just gave him a secret layer to make up for it. <laughs> True. Factor fiction, generous gift, humble defector, mall drifter, myriad landscape, reliquary tower, return to dust, soul ring, swift foot boots, swords to plowshares, thought vessel, three visits victimize arcane denial coiling oracle command tower commander sphere counterspell fleshbag marauder findhorn elves kodoma's reach opal palace path of ancestry preordain teamer battle rage terramorphic expanse and viscera seer that is as good a list of commander cards as we have ever seen in any set ever in fact it is it is the best list (laughs) You, you really could only top that by literally sorting EDHREC by the most popular commons in the format and just picking the top 40 or whatever. Like, and, and you still, and this is it. Like that, this is, they've already done that and this is the result. Yeah. Like they, they, they're probably missing like what? Out of how many, how many cards did you just read? 25, 30? And, and they're and probably in, missing, fact, they're probably missing maybe five that were more popular than what you include, included there. And in fact, the UCCs, though they are twice about twice as populous as the rare extended arts, because where they were getting out of fifty boxes, they were pulling you know sixteen to twenty copies of the UCCs, whereas they were pr- pulling nine to eleven copies of the rares. So they're about twice as rare. But I would argue the UCCs are more than twice as good, because <laughs> if you look at the rares, most of the rares are new cards, mm. and in fact. Wait, I, actually, uh, no, all of the rares are new cards. And some of them are insane super staples, like the five dual lands. Uh, uh, Hull Breacher, Opposition Agent, Court of Bounty is up there. Uh, Jessica's Will is up there. Uh, Akroma's uh, Will, as we talked about earlier, is already looks like it's been targeted. Austere Command's in there. But there's also a bunch of stuff that, you know, the lesser courts body of knowledge uh rakasha debaser this kind of thing that no one's going to remember or care about sweet gum recluse <laughs> etc so even, like even though they're twice card. as rare <laughs> even though they're twice as rare they're going to be 
there's a lot more play in the UCCs. Now, the foil, uh, the foil dual lands, because they were just the original five from Battle Bond were just in Zendikar Rising in the expedition slot, relatively easy to get. People are definitely sleeping, I think, on the dual land foil extended art rares because the drop rate is so low. There is only, as we said, even being generous with the stats, there's less than 5,000 of each of those. You're telling me there's not 5,000 commander players that want, like, foil training center extended art? There's no way. Uh, okay. And... And that card, those cards are currently in the mid-20s or so, and that, my normal instinct is to wait for those to get down to 16 to 18 at least, but I'm not convinced that they will ever okay. get there. So I just want to reiterate here. Let me make sure I'm looking at the right spot. We are thinking there are foil, extended art, commons, and uncommons. We are anticipating just under, or I guess just just over 9,000 total in the world English copies. Uh, for instance, Swords to Plowshares or Soul Ring or Thought Vessel okay. or whatever. Yep. Okay. There are just under 5,000 of any foil rare extended art and just over 2,000. It's unbelievable. Just over 2,000 foil extended art mythics. And for instance, I ran this by Kyle Lopez. And I just wanted to say that out loud again for people to hear it, because those are very key numbers in this discussion. And I've run this by Kyle Lopez and some other people who said, you're crazy. There's not even close to that many. Not even close to that many. Because, I'm, as I said, the, the 50,000 boxes might already be wrong. Maybe there was only thirty or 40,000 total. If Europe got, maybe Europe didn't get 10,000, they got 6,000. And maybe that means that North America got triple that, and they got 18,000, in which case there was 24,000 boxes. And maybe they're going to fill in that gap with another 12,000, and we're going to end up with 36,000 boxes, which is a lot less than 80,000, which is what my stats are based on. So, I mean... So, it could be true that there's actually only 1,100 foil mythic extended art jeweled lotuses in the world. I mean, that's, that's nothing. Right, like I guess it, it, I think Jeweled Lotus is generally a bad card, but if there's eleven hundred of those, that's not going to matter too much. Well, even, even if there you will feel be eleven hundred people who care, and even if you feel that way, that you know, if you popped a foil Jeweled Lotus, you're saying you would sell it today for sure. Um, ugh, eleven hundred, ah, probably. Ah, God. I, so you either sell it now or you're in for probably at least two years. No, I, I think you could sell it now. And if the supply never fills in, in six months, it could be a $600 card. So keep, in wait, mind that, so... keep in mind that a mono own, like took, took I, saw, I bought an Amano May 2019 at 450 flipped it for 650 felt like a genius. And then now it's worth $6,000. Okay, but okay, hold on. A year later. What is, what is the foil extended art Lotus right now? Uh, lowest price on that right now on... I thought you had it in front of you. I don't, but I will in a second. I only looked at the non-fails. 298. It got The market price is 264, which means it got down into the 260s and people started buying. And it's been bought back up to 300 and there's only 16 listings. 300. I think... 
boy, we're gonna we're gonna feel so dumb if it goes to a thousand this year, despite being a medium good card. Ugh, I I'm try wrestling with this, and it is so hard. I want to say that you sell it now. Presume <laughs> it will dip into the low two hundreds, possibly even the high one hundreds, with never more than fifteen copies on TCG Player. It's and then and then and then you can that's your price point to buy back in and then within a you know a year to two years is where it climbs back over the three hundred dollar mark and then just slowly creeps up over time from there and and, and, and turns into masterpiece soul ring or something the yeah but although but again the time frame on that is reasonably long in my head in my head if it if it stays popular in the format and that happens to it. They'll reprint it in 2022 in, in, in Commander the, Legends Part 2. That's really the catch here. Is the, if, if you don't sell it now, do you think... See, if you sell it now for $300, you are good. So if you decide to wait, you have to bank on the fact that this won't go down, that demand won't drop for it, that the price will only go up. Um, because if you're wrong and demand does dip, you are racing against the clock. They will almost certainly print this again. It's just a question of when. And they could they could run this back in Commander Legends 2. I would not be shocked. Like, okay, you guys get your super fancy version now. You're cool for two years. And then we're going to re-release it and make it a little more accessible and bring it down. And if you paid $400 for it and now it's 200 well, you got to be special for two years. I could see that. So and, you're and here, racing and, against that as well. And here's the other thing. These are not masterpieces. Kaladesh inventions are sacrosanct because their treatment is specific to the plane. Yeah. And we saw what happened when they went back with expeditions. You can get the same cards again in expedition form, but there's probably several years between them and there'll be a different version of the card. They didn't go back and reprint expeditions. They gave us a new frame. You did get the same, some of the same cards, but it wasn't all the same and the frames were different. So, in fact, some of the old expeditions have actually gone up in the face of that. Cliff just wrote an article the other day um, based on uh, some hints I gave him about research about how original older printings of cards can go up when the spotlight swings back onto them and they get a reprint, even if the new reprint is sexy too. And But the thing about Um, these extended art treatments is they are not sacrosanct. The, I would love to see a, a modern reprint of Hunting Grounds. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we've already seen uh, Fabled Passage in same art, same form. Two of the exact same extended art foil. Last fall, this summer, turned into a spec again, sure, but they've they've already signaled they're willing to do this. So they will definitely do it to Jeweled Lotus if the opportunity arises. Now, the question still remains, is this a buy or a sell? I'm inclined to tell people that I think the non-foil extended arts, the gap has to fill in somewhat. The regular copies, the gap has to fill in. And the foil regulars, pack foils, are in that no man's land. So I think in all three of those cases, I'm still a seller. And I think, but at current levels, I'm not not 100% without knowing how the supply challenges are going to play out, whether, for instance, Opposition Agent and Hull Breacher are, are a sell right now because if enough inventory entered the market it would push a foil rare extended art down at least 10 15 20 25 dollars and it would make sense to sell now buy back in later as you were just you know theory crafting around the lotus 
but this all depends. We're not in a normal situation. We need to see how much inventory hits the market and when. And the other the other problem with this set is that a lot of it is stuff that makes sense for people to absorb into their collections. Oh yeah. And yeah, there's no GPs with flushed. buy lists and so forth. So more than the normal percentage of cards are disappearing once purchased. So yeah, part of why so TCG is hollow is that if you open that Lotus and you think you're going to need it in EDH, why sell it? I mean, the, the same could be said of virtually every card in the set. Like, it's just so staple heavy that, like, maybe you crack your box and just keep your collector's box and just keep, like, everything because all of these cards, even if you're not using them, you feel like you might soon. Um, and and just, what another thought on the Lotus, though. I'm kind of bouncing this around my head. I guess you could also look at it and go, this card is $300 right now. The worst case scenario is that it probably bottoms out at low, at, at, at high 100s, right? Like, I can't, if it's 300 now, I don't think it's going to be $150. Like, I don't think it's going to get that low. I think high 100s to low 200s is probably your bottom. But your ceiling could be a grand like that might be a reasonable price point for this card in like four to six months if depending on how things shake out so maybe you you don't sell only because the ev like if you assume all the percentages are flat and you don't trust your intuition and you just go with like just flat math like you're way the the possibility of this card being very expensive seems like there's a lot more room there than for how much it can drop I don't know. I don't have one. I don't have to think about it. <laughs> I don't have to answer that question. I'm opening German boxes next week. <laughs> so it's going to get extra interesting because German, yeah, your German bulk is useless. But I guarantee you I'm not going to have trouble selling a German foil extended art jeweled lotus. There of might... which there's probably going to be like 40. Well, this is it, right? There's going to be like whatever the print run is for English, German would be less than 10% of that. Yeah, I would think it's, yeah, 10% even seems like it might be high. Like, Japan is clearly the preferred, but I'm not buying $325 booster boxes of Japanese CBs for Commander Legends when I can get $210 boxes of German. Yeah. What is the English right now? What are we paying for English? 260 And German's 210 Yes. Ooh, that, that, that to me just says take the German. Well, that's just it. That, that's, so we just launched a... a group by for german and people are able to get single or usually we people have to get a whole case of cbs to make it worthwhile to import but this time we're able to work it out where if they're willing to wait a couple extra weeks to get it slow shipping then they can get one or two boxes and that just seems hard to go wrong with because <laughs> down the road a sealed cb for commander legend seems like a pretty good collectible to have on hand i mean i just want the german one because like it's not like you're trying to sell, I don't know, that, that you don't need a lot, the supply in that's going to be so low, you don't need a lot of people to want that. Yeah, and the, and the foil, the other thing is that the set, because it is so staple heavy, lends itself better to foreign sales. Yeah. Foreign sales market is always niche, always smaller, by far, than English, it, it, to the extent that people have told me that Germans prefer to play with English cards over German cards. But the... Um, the reality is that there's 
you could be the only person on eBay with a German collector booster box of Commander Legends. So all you need is one rando like my dad to be like, oh, that's cool. I don't have that in my collection. Yeah, I'll snap that off at 300. Yeah. And it's so approachable. I mean, I I flipped $200 boxes at 260 within 48 hours with not even breathing hard. It was like literally a five minute post to Facebook and I had like 14 requests in my inbox. So, I mean, the inventory is just not present. Like, the lowest price in Toronto right now for a box of Commander Legends is closer to 280 to 290 US than it is to two, the 260 I was selling at. And that's plus yeah. tax. I, well, so the Jeweled Lotus aside here, I mean, these numbers are important. And I think that the takeaway here should be. Because we're we're running long now too. I think it's eleven thirty. Um, the takeaway here is that these numbers are all way under masterpiece or um, my god, masterpiece inventions. Way below secret layers because we figure secret layers are in the tens of thousands as well, ten, twenty, yeah. sometimes thirty thousand. And so even if you double these numbers, rares are under inventions. Uh, they're close. They're just, they're a little under inventions. Foil mythics are half of invention, and the commons and uncommons are double in invention. Um, and if these numbers are right, I mean, your mythics are a quarter of the invention run. I mean, really, this just says kind of go hog wild because even if you even if wizards goes, if these numbers are roughly accurate within like ten percent, and wizards goes back to the well and produces 50% more collector's boosters, which is like, I, I can't imagine that happens. But even if they did and produce 50% more commander's boosters, you're still going from 4,500 rares to uh, like 7,000. And you're going from 2,250 mythics to 3,300 and to, and from 10,000 to 15,000 common on common. So like the, the, extra supply like wouldn't even be that much so it i i was when i saw some discussion about this in the discord i didn't jump right in but i knew i wanted to bring it up on the cast because i wanted to talk to you about it because i'm like these sound silly and when i saw those soul ring extended arts show up and the spoilers i was like I just thought back to the invention soul rings and I'm like, I sold a lot of those at a pretty nice profit margin and I want to do that again. And <laughs> those, those soul rings right now are $25 for the extended art foils. And I'm like, and there's 25 wow. results. Do, do but, but there's also, do no, I just buy, do I just spend four grand on these right now? Like, listen, there's, there's soul rings is, is tricky because we're also getting that really nice soul ring in the commander collection green this month. Uh, I, I really think the extended art is going to be very appealing for people. Well, here's the thing. There's only 25 listings. And if you go back to when Double Masters VIPs were being cracked en masse by vendors, everybody knew it was this blockbuster product. Demand was through the roof. But now it's glutted because we got past that hype cycle. And Wizards nev- never gives any breathing room or provides any kind of like re-encouragement to approach a product. They move on right to the next thing right away. So even as good as the cards are in Double Masters, they're going to take some time to recover, 6, 12, 18 months, depending on the card. But those gluts that we saw the first week are just not present on TCG Player. Like We would see things like Foil, uh, Box Topper, Cyclonic Rift, 140 copies listed. Six or seven vendors with 20 plus copies posted. 
Take a look at the soul rings. It's all ones. It's all ones, brother. There's one vendor has two. One vendor has four. That's MTG Mint Card, a huge vendor with 50,000 plus sales. Yeah, Mint Card is usually one of the top inventories on TCG Player. Power, like, like, I specifically look for them when I'm trying to pick, when I'm looking at TCG Player. Power, Power 9 Games has one copy up here. Like all, all the big boys, CCG House, one copy. And there are 25 total listings in the 25 to $80 range. Steep, steep ramp. And I opened one of those. And I put it right into the hold pile. <laughs> Anything yeah. that's a super staple that I think people don't understand the rarity of, that's going in the hold pile. The etched foil commanders are a different discussion. So very quickly, because I know you got you got to run, um, but the etched foil commanders are not the same thing. They get three full slots in every collector booster pack, and one of those slots is the reprints. So you get one reprint, which is listed as mythic, but isn't can't really be mythic because you're getting one of them every pack. Um, and then the other two are usually an uncommon of one of the like one of the new uncommon commanders, and then a rare or a mythic of one of the new ones. And so we ran all the stats on all of that as well, and they are quite 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 different. So you know we said that foil mythic extended art. We figured there was something like twenty three hundred or whatever. The mythic, the new mythic etched commanders would be six times that. More like, <laughs> like yeah, but six, five to six times that. 14,400 was the number I came up with. Because if you have, for instance, 80,000 collector booster boxes, that means you have 960,000 packs. And based on the drop rates, the <clears throat> the reprint etched mythics, you'd have 30,000 of them. The new etched mythics, you'd have 14,400. So all mythics, even in the etched, are not created equal. <laughs> Common uncommons are the same rarity. The mythic etched are not the same rarity. One of them is twice as rare as the others, and that's the new mythics. So that's Sakashima, and that's why Sakashima is moving hard uh, and posting a price in the 30s to 40s with very low inventory as well. I call flag Sakashima early because not only is it a good commander, it's good in the 99 of a bunch of other decks. And so it's probably the best of the foil etched cards overall, just because it's much more rare than all of the other ones are. And there aren't that many of the new foil etched mythics compared to the reprint mythics. The best of those um, include like Timna, uh, Thrasios is, is posting numbers in the 30s to 40s. Um, and then like a Chroma's in the mid-teens or whatever. And by comparison to the extended arts, there are way, way more of them. So for instance, the uncommon etched and the rare etched are, you know, 25 to 35,000 copies. That's, that's the kind of thing where the market will drive the price down. So I think you sell most of the mid-tier etched cards that you don't want to keep for your own personal collection and maybe hold Sakashima, maybe hold the top five of the others, because even if they come down, they're just going to be, you know, cards like Thrasios, <laughs> whatever Thrasios's bottom is, that's going to end up being a spec on this show anyway. Yeah. The, the etched foils don't excite me as much. I don't know. I was a little tainted when I saw um, Derek Madlam, is Madlam is actually his last name, or is it yep. just his Twitter handle? That's no, his last name. Uh, posted some images of the 
like raw images of the etch foils he was pulling out of his pack and they were not that pretty um have you gotten a sense I, of the quality i strongly of them? disagree i strongly like disagree there there's they're different but they look great in sleeve and they pick up light inside sleeves and that i think that's actually pretty key because mm-hmm. ha- i i find a lot of foils uh that their foiliness is lost in a lot of sleeves and the etched cards still are noticeable in the sleeves they're also very distinctive as, and they are also look like a subset they are a subset and they look it and as you're pulling them out and you're getting lots of them yes you're getting them every pack but here's the thing you don't get that many duplicates except for the uncommons because this is a huge subset. It's not like they made 12 of these and you get one every pack, in which case they would be like pennies. There's a hundred plus of them. So even at three per pack, if you open a full collector booster, you get 36. That's a third of them. And you don't have and you don't get an equal amount of mythics, right? So you're gonna be missing most of the mythics, and you'll have within a couple of boxes, you'll have all the uncommons, most of the rares, but the mythics would take still take a little bit of doing. So I, I'm a seller on the on most of the, the foil ash for sure because they're much more populous than the foil extended arts and a lot, in a lot of cases more niche. Like Yurlock's a cool commander, but I don't know if he's going to be top twenty of all time. Sakashima might be top thirty or forty of all time, but I don't know if he's going to be top ten. Uh, whereas I know for a fact that foil extended art swords to plowshares will climb over time. Yeah, I think that's a, a key point too. Is all the commanders are the etch cards by virtue, you know, are, are fundamentally, commanded. yeah, are less appealing um, long term than you know the super ultra format staples that we're seeing elsewhere in the packs. So I think you, I think you focus therefore on the Sakashimas, the ones that are also good in the ninety nine that are just good cards. Yeah, and Sakashima is like also a good partner, so it works well in that regard. Um, but that seems like a bit of an outlier, sort of the exception to the rule. So one final point on the edge foils. People have talked about how you also get them in regular booster boxes. Yeah, except you don't. <laughs> the 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 number of copies you pull of the foil etched mythics out of a collector booster box is one per box, roughly. It's 0.03 out of a regular box. So 30 times lower. <laughs> yeah that's not very meaningful <laughs> the etched foil rares you're going to get 11 of those on average the other one's a mythic out of your 12 packs in a collector booster box you get 0.33 in a regular booster mm-hmm. box so i only from the etched perspective i really only care what happens with collector boosters i wouldn't worry about etched foils show up in regular boxes for the rest of the year because they just don't drop at a significant rate Given how big the subset is and how few you get per box, like total copies per box out of 460 regular boxes, this vendor pulled out 65 copies of any etched foil, uncommon, rare, or mythic. So that's 0.14 copies per box versus 12 uh, of like a way, way, way higher number. Yeah. You get three in. You get thirty six in a box of collector boosters, and you get way less than that in regular. It's it's the uh, it is the the list distribution 
of Commander Legends. <laughs> like, technically it's there, but the drip is so low that it's almost meaningless. Yeah. It's like 0.14 um, to 36 times. All right, so the takeaway, the takeaway for me here is the you should be we should all be looking very hard at the extended foil art full arts foil extended arts pretty much across the board um the non-etched stuff with a close eye to very uh, seeing how supply moves yes. and listen ear to the ground for additional inventory yes. showing up yes and yeah. and if you if you're not if you're worried about additional supply then just dabble on the best stuff Bite off a, li- a few little chunks that where longer term, even if it get, if you buy in at 12 and something gets down to eight later, you're not going to feel too bad because that 12 is still going to turn into 25 in a year, given what we're talking about. Yeah. But I, I honestly don't have a prediction about the price of the Jeweled Lotus Foil Mythic six months out or 12 months out. Don't I, know. Don't, I, I'm I just don't know. I, 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 you know, I, I'm not putting any money where my mouth is because money is gross. Uh, but I still, what time frame are we talking about? Six months? Make, make a call six, six but that we can reference six months from now. So that would be, what are we, almost on December 1st? So uh, June for, or yeah, June 1st. Uh, I, I, I'm going to say like 240 would probably be my guess. A 240 and that might have already gone below that and that might be a recovery price. If if the inventory never fills in, I feel like the upper band is somewhere in the 450 to 550 range. But <laughs> it's nothing but guesswork, honestly. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. I don't feel terribly strongly about this, uh, and I could absolutely see it go either way. Now, if we were talking about a card that you and I both agreed was a super true super staple, that it, it literally just goes in every deck. It's it's arcane signet. It's soul ring. If it was that level, then I would be Ooh. entertaining the thousand dollar conversation. Then I we wouldn't be talking about what price it's going to go to. I'd be like, uh, I already bought a bunch, so yeah. <laughs> so now so just go buy them yourself because i own 30 and i want you to own them too <laughs> however the, the most certain thing that i didn't call as a spec here that i feel very strongly about is i don't really care what the the dual lands get down to it, i don't think the current prices in the mid-20s are wrong I, I have a feeling that's still a double up even if you're wrong by ten dollars <laughs> those i so what did you say that was training center, right? Training center is the blue red one, yeah. Yeah, and that's the oh, what is the what are these the names of these? So we got rejuvenating springs, training uh, so, center. No, no, no. The the names of these in the other in the ally color pairs. Uh, Morphic pool, luxury suite. Uh, okay, those are the ones from Battle Bond. Correct. So the foil bat foil pack foil battle bond is fifty. The expedition, the expedition morphic pools twenty five. Uh, that's kind of funny. Foil, well, and this is foil? and this is why I think people are underestimating these because they're comparing them to the expeditions, which were two to three per collector booster. That is not their drop rate here. Now I pulled two of them out of one collector booster box last night, but that's extremely rare because I could have pulled any of the rares. So the, the chance of Grabbing any specific foil rare out of a pack is, uh, let's see, 0.253%. So one in 40 boxes. And there's five of them. So 
it's more like like one 1.25 out of out of 40 or something like that <coughs> so these are these are not the expeditions i'm i think i'm a little cooler on these than you are i i'm not saying so they're like what 20 bucks you said right now they're mid 20s to high 20s training centers 26 to 28 so my my angle here is not that I think that they won't grow. Like if you're paying twenty eight for training centers, I think you're probably buying relatively close to the low. But I don't know if these are seeing enough of a jump that I think it's worth it. I, I suspect there may be better choices in there right now. It look it looks like our group buy tomorrow is going to have them under twenty dollars. I mean that's obviously. Like, yeah, sure. All right. Another <laughs> arbitrage pay. Like I can't, that's fine. That's good. Um, I don't know. I, I just, I, I understand what you're saying about the numbers. And I also understand they're going to be very popular, but I do kind of wonder, I, I kind of wonder with cards like this, if they're extreme, if they're super staple, ultra popular cards in more budget oriented decks, but then when you're getting into the type of person who could reasonably afford buying a extended art foil training center, if they're not just running a better mono base I, I, and just skipping this card. I, I don't follow how you've ever thought these, this mana bit, these, these cards weren't automatic uh, includes like you go, you is... go fetch lands, shock lands, right? If you have yeah. duels, you're using them. Takes you to 15 lands. Then you, you might have uh try lands. If you're in a three, four, five color deck, that because they can be searched would come ahead of these but then it's these it's uh i guess i look at it as thinking um you might just end up first of all you want to you usually want basics uh and also utility lands are very good so i don't know it's been a while since i built a mana base for commander but i feel like my mana my lands that were dedicated to just mana fixing was relatively low because there were so many other good cards in there. I mean, all you got to do is look at the numbers for the battle, I, band, b- battle bond lands on EDH oh, rack, right? I know. I know. I, I, I don't know. I understand. They're very, very popular. I, let me just say, I have never put a Sun Petal Grove into a deck, into a commander deck, ever. Yeah, okay, but these aren't Sun Petal Grove. These, these, are, these penalize you in the late game, not the early game. And that's why they're so good. Uh, they come into play untapped all the time. Yeah, so Sun Petal Grove enters battlefield tapped unless you control a forest or plains. So this is less restrictive like, by a long for like ninety five percent of the game, these are untapped, basically. And training center is tapped unless you have two or more opponents. So very likely to come into play untapped. I I mean like there's a difference there. Like Sun Petal Grove is slightly slower, obviously on like turns one through three, but in Commander, I, it's, it's, whatever, it's not that big of a deal. Like usually play around that. I don't know. I'm just th- 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 this is the my intuition is that these sort of like so, m- more so, middle of the road mana fixing cards okay. are very populous, but the premium versions are not as popular as they could be because those players might be opting to essentially buy other cards. So if we want to set a ceiling, the original bottom battle bond fo- pack foils are mid forties, thirty results for Morphic Pool. That would be drained further, but of course they are challenged by the presence of the Zendikar uh, Rising 
uh, foils, which are also are in the mid twenties. <laughs> That's a buy too, by the way. The morphic pool. Yes. Expeditions for sure, because that, that only has 58 results as well. That's nothing. Yeah. The market can suck, can eat that. I, I, I shy, I'm shy of cards. You get into 80, hundred, 120 results on TCG player. I'm waiting. But you get under 60 and I start to pay attention, especially if it's a super staple that people buy multiple copies of at a time. And I'll, I'll tell you, if we can buy copies tomorrow under 20, then that's the target. Well, sure. I mean, I'm but, not disagreeing with that. But at under 20, I'm all in. Like, if I wasn't... <laughs> I make a habit of not swallowing all the great inventory that we could, that I could, and instead making sure that the pro traders get their bite. But... I would be if the pro, if nobody else wanted these, I would be happy to take all of them. I'll take whatever all sixty copies were being offered by the vendor at the sub twenty price. I, I, it's to me, it's a little similar to um, what am I thinking of? Like a very very casual card, like very casual, and I'm nothing is coming to mind off the top of my head but a card that's primarily popular in 60 card kitchen table decks where it might be very popular in those decks but the foils generally suffer because the type of player playing that card is probably not playing foils and to me stuff like training center is not exactly that but it's sort of in a similar space where i just i just don't know who i I, obviously people are but i don't know if the volume of players is there that's spending 50 dollars on premium training centers i don't know i'm just thinking about every deck i have ever built in commander i have never put these types of lands in them it's fetches duels shocks uh, a couple color fixers, depending on what the rest of the deck looks like, a bunch of basics, and then every utility land I can fit. Because my collection, at least especially when I was building Commander decks regularly, was stacked. Like, it was just, I, I could have basically any card I wanted. I could be wrong. I could be very wrong. Maybe we're going to get, maybe the Discord channel is going to fill up with people telling me that I'm out of, I'm out of the loop and everyone plays these cards and yeah, so be it. I'm fine. If, if that's the case, then I'm willing to learn. Morpha Pool is in 19% of 119,000 decks for 22,616 total. So let's say only yeah, 1% I mean, of those people are interested in the, the new foils. That's still two, that's still 200 and some odd people. That yeah, clears the image. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. All right. Well, let's let's check back in on this as things develop within the next by Christmas by, by the time we're doing our year in review, we should have a better sense of what the supply levels are looking like for Commander Legends and how much of a restock is coming. There were $210 boxes that appeared on Amazon over the weekend that our people sniped off. But I had vendors that I was talking to you trying to do deals with where I was trying to leverage those $210 boxes to get even cheaper boxes. And he's like, dude, I'm going to, I already bought the $210 boxes to sell. (laughs) I was hoping to sell them to you. (laughs) And I was like, that's when you know the inventory is short. When the vendors are competing for you competing with you for amazon retail that's kind of funny 
Because they can't get any at wholesale right now. Yeah. So there you are. There we are. All right. So where can people find you online, Travis? Uh, I'm on Twitter at WizardBumpin, B-U-M-P-I-N. How about yourself? You guys can find me on Twitter at MGGCritic, as well as via occasional articles on MGPrice.com and a constant haunting of the ProTrader Discord to help our members make and save money playing Magic the Gathering. I'd also like to remind our listeners who haven't yet tried it out to check out the mggprice.com ProTrader service for just $7.99 a month or $79.99 per year. You can get early access to this podcast, fantastic articles by the best MTG finance minds in the business, and a super active Discord forum that will drive better returns and indeed save you money playing Magic the Gathering. Whew. <laughs> Once again, MTG Fast Finance is probably sponsored by Cool Stuff Inc., where you can find all sorts of cool stuff in stock, including the best in Magic the Gathering single, sealed product, and a plethora of other collectibles like Wingspan, which our Discord apparently went wild about after I talked about it last week. Use the promo code FINANCE5 during checkout at CoolStuffInc.com to save 5% off your order and support this podcast, including a bunch of Black Friday sales that I am going to too late in the day for me to go check them out now, but I'm going to go look tomorrow. Uh, which brings us to the end of episode 247 and frankly, probably perhaps the one of the best pieces of actionable intelligence that you guys have gotten out of us probably this year. Um, so that is that it, is worth it, that is worth your membership for sure. And if it's wrong, it's wrong in the wrong direction. Yeah, which and is if, crazy. And there's no way you're wrong by more than like, even at even at thirty or forty percent being wrong in the thirty or forty percent being wrong in the direction we don't want it to be wrong is still not that much. Let's put it this way: in most cases, I hear arguments on both sides when I make a statement of fact. This time, people, the only arguments I'm hearing is that I'm dumb because I overestimated. Hmm. All right. Thank you, Travis, and we'll see you all next week on another episode of MTG Fast Finance. <laughs>